Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Dustin Hoffman. Welcome to another episode of Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Dustin Huffman. Mark Magnuson and Riley Smith will be joining us a little later on in the program. Let's run down the, probably the top story we saw of the week, and that was the fact that we saw the possibility of some 2,4-D resistant uh, water hemp in the state of Iowa back in Wright County. Now, Iowa State University's Megan Anderson talked to Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network about the situation and said more studies are going to need to be done first before they can be certain the population is resistant. Well, suspected population. So that's always, uh, it's kind of an intensive process to go through to to prove that a population is surviving 240 at an unexpectedly high rate compared with like what a natural population out in the environment might do. And so they, I believe they've gone through one round of testing and they'll do one more this spring. And so if it survives, like they think it has been right, if it's proven to be resistant, then they, they should be able to do that yet this summer. Now this population was found in a ditch, but that does change things a little bit. But Anderson said it's still a warning of what can happen if we're relying too much on 2,4-D. Yeah, it does change the conversation a little bit, but I think it still serves as a a good warning to all of us because we know that 2,4-D is being used on a widespread basis a lot more than it was, say, 10 years ago. And so this was a case where I I believe a farmer reported – I don't know if it was a control failure, just a concerning survival within the crop field. And so uh, Corteva sent some folks out there and and they collected seed from water hemp that were both in the crop field as well as water hemp that were in this uh, ditch area adjacent to the field. We have much more on this story, including information we got from Corteva as well, up on the website, iowaagnet.com. There's more to follow here as this story continues to develop. Right now, Russ Parker is here with his faith-based food for thought. This past week, we celebrated Valentine's Day, the day when Americans spend nearly $26 billion all in the name of love. Just goes to show you, you can't solve everything with love or money. And while the day is focused on all the love money can buy, how about all the hate and conflict that money can't touch as well? And it's worldwide. The Ukraine, Israel, and surrounding countries, and even closer to home, we've seen so many examples where conflict seems to rule every minute we're awake and causes lots of lost sleep time as well. And we all have different ways that we respond to conflict, and some are much better than others at it. We've all heard the quotes, for example, we have nothing to fear but fear itself from Winston Churchill or from Martin Luther King, the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph, or from Hamlet, the famous line, to be or not to be. But perhaps my favorite philosopher has the best thoughts for us when he solves his conflict with the topic of destiny. And he says, I don't know if we each have a destiny or if we're all just floating around accidental-like on a breeze, but I think maybe it's both. There's a new perspective that Gump brings into the equation, common ground and compromise and a soft and pliable heart. 
This idea that maybe two things can exist together, even though they are very different, somehow this feeble-brained man presents a pathway for resolution. And I understand that you might be thinking, well, if it was this easy, there wouldn't be any conflict in the world or in our lives. And bottom line, disagreements can be very challenging. But the Lord tells us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is not the love that we spend over $26 billion every year to buy. This is the love that our Lord is commanding us to have and that all the tea in China will never buy because our Lord has already paid for it. It's a free gift that's being offered to each one of us. And a second commandment, and I believe Forrest Gump understood this, because it includes the ideas of common ground, compromise, and a soft and pliable heart. And to me, is the ultimate strategy for conflict resolution. Love our neighbors as ourselves. It's not easy. We were never promised easy. But what a glorious day it will be when the love for others will make our world go round. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. Well, thanks, Russ. And that's going to do it here for segment one of Weekend Ag Matters. We're going to take a short break. And then Mark Magnus will be joined by Will McGinty talking about some new initiatives on conservation from the White House. This is Weekend Ag Matters. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. Are you ready to diversify your farm income? Sweetwater Technologies, powered by GRIP, is offering the next generation of agricultural entrepreneurs turnkey owner-operated drone business partnerships. Together, we can grow and empower agricultural communities through technological solutions. It is our vision to build economic growth for future generations. Apply today to become a business partner and join our journey on the road to 1 million acres at sweetwatertechnologies.com. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Mark Magnuson. Mark Magnuson for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and I'm joined today by Will McEntee. And Will, could you please tell us your job responsibilities, your job duties within the United States government? Yeah, absolutely. Great to be with you. I'm uh, Will McEntee. I handle, uh, I'm senior advisor for, for rural and agriculture engagement here in the White House Office of Public Engagement. And Will, here today, we wanted to talk about the American Climate Corps initiative. Could you expand on what the initiative is and what the goals of the initiative are? Yeah, absolutely. So this is part of uh, President Biden's historic American Climate Corps initiative that he announced uh, last year, an initiative that that trains young people in high demand skills for jobs in the clean energy economy. Uh, and, and we'll put a new generation of Americans to work, conserving our lands and waters, bolstering community resilience, deploying clean energy, implementing energy efficient technologies and tackling uh, climate change. And today's announcement builds off that, 
by establishing the Working Lands Climate Corps uh, that, that USDA announced that will provide technical training and career pathway opportunities for young people, uh, helping them to deliver economic benefits through climate smart agriculture solutions for farmers and ranchers across the country, uh, both now and in the future. Uh, in its first cohort, the, the uh, Working Lands Climate Corps will aim to create service opportunities for more than 100 uh, young people. And uh, we're really excited uh, to, to uh, you know, have this uh, exciting new partnership, uh, both to um, you know, put, help put boots on the ground uh, uh, to work you know, alongside uh, some of the investments that the administration is making in climate smart agriculture and forestry, uh, and really to develop uh, you know, additional talent and that, that next generation of agricultural leaders. And you say that, that's exactly right. It's all about keeping that talent into these rural areas and having that ability to use those talents to kind of do everything that we talked about here, which is the climate side of things, but then also building up that community. Is it just bringing everybody together on the same page? Absolutely, yeah, and you know, I, I think you, you just touched on it, you know, everything that, that you know, President Biden you know, speaks about when he talks about the uh, investments that we're making in, in rural communities. You know, it's really around um, you know creating those opportunities that allow for um, you know younger folks who are um, you know in, interested in, in staying at home, staying close to family, having opportunities uh, you know economically to do just that, to you know be leaders in their communities and uh, and, and and be you know that that next generation of agriculture and uh you know through this program you know be equipped with the the the, the tools uh you know to to be able to um you know work on uh you know some of those exciting uh you know new uh market opportunities that uh that that, that are involved around uh the climate smart agriculture and forestry initiatives that um, this administration is, is, is really looking to continue to, to partner uh, with, with our farmers and ranchers on. And Will, when we also talk about this, it kind of shows the expansion of agriculture in that you don't need to go to school just to study agronomy now. You can study many other things that dovetail with agriculture, including like the Climate Smart, um, excuse me, the Climate Smart Initiative, because then you're able to look at things from the climate side, also in tandem with the agronomy side. And it really, there are so many more opportunities in agronomy than in years past. That, that's absolutely right. Yeah, and it, it, you know, I think this is a really exciting time. Again, you know, we hear from so many uh, farmers and ranchers who are you know, b both concerned you know, about the, the impacts of, um, of, of, of these climate issues, but are also, uh, you know, excited about some of the opportunities that um, are, are presented, um, you know, through, you know, the investments being made through uh, the, the Biden-Harris administration, but, but, but also, um, you know, through the work they're doing and, and the new market opportunities that they're creating through their work in this space um, as well. And, uh, and, you know, what we've seen, you know, through the, 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 the private sector as well. So, this is definitely an exciting, you know, time um, uh, to, to be involved. Uh, you know, in, in climate smart agriculture and, and, and forestry. And, and this is an exciting opportunity for, um, for, for younger people uh, to get involved in, in, in this moment.
And Will, I was going to ask you just to wrap things up. Is there any kind of proof of concept of already seeing this implemented in other areas or maybe different parts of the country where we can say, you know, this has been tried and it does work and we look forward to getting it to, I guess, to a successful point here in a state like Iowa? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I would say that, um, you know, first of all, we're we're excited to, to partner with so many different um, organizations in all of this work. I should mention that um, you know, this is a partnership between USDA and, and the, the core network and the, uh, the National Association of Conservation Districts, um, as well as, as AmeriCorps. And um, so, you know, certainly the National Association of Conservation Districts uh, have, have done you know, a lot to, to partner with, um, with farmers and ranchers across the country uh in, in in these ways and uh and and certainly have, have an eye for how we're bringing younger people into the fold in this work as well um and you know we're, we're excited to um to continue to partner with with new um with with new and eligible organizations through that submit requests for proposal through this program uh, to continue to, to, to build off of this exciting work. Well, Will, I thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. Is there anything else you'd like to let our listeners know about when it comes to this program and what has you excited about it? I, I, I would say what, what really excites us about this program is that it you know, really uh, you know, fits two needs that, 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 that we've been you know, working hard to address uh, through the, the administration's work. You know, one is you know, supporting that, that next generation um, of uh, you know, rural leaders and agricultural leaders, and then also you know, addressing uh, you know, the, the climate issues and, uh, and creating economic opportunities so that you know, we're, we're both addressing this as the urgent issue that it is, uh, but also creating those economic opportunities as a result. So it's really exciting uh, and, and we're excited to, to work with uh, with folks across the country on this. Thank you once again to Will McEntee, Senior Advisor for Rural and Agricultural Engagement at the White House Office for Public Engagement. And that brings us to the end of segment number two here on Weekend Ag Matters. Coming up next in segment number three, Riley Smith will wrap up the show. You're listening to Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Riley Smith. All right, we are here with Andrew Phillips of Phillips Ag Center in Lakeview, Iowa. Andrew is a Channel Seed Pro. Uh, Andrew, thanks for taking the time to visit with us today. What kind of spring do you think uh, Iowa farmers will have for this uh, 2024 season? Yeah, so I think uh, we went into fall this last fall, and it was extremely dry in my territory. We had very little to no subsoil moisture. Um, we did get a couple really nice rains after uh, harvest before things froze up, so we did replenish a little. Um, when I say a little, I mean an inch or two of rain. 
Um, and then in January, it was seasonally nice before we got that snowstorm. So we got another inch or two of moisture there, and that all went in. It came extremely nice. Um, there was really, really no runoff. And then we got about two feet of snow, and that has all melted. Um, again, went into the ground. So been walking some fields this spring already, um, doing a little horn hunting. Uh, it's kind of a hobby of mine. And the ground is the ground is beautiful. Um, it really has it's got good porosity. Um, there is soil moisture, pretty darn good soil moisture throughout the field. I wouldn't say it goes extremely deep. I would say it's kind of top six inches, maybe top eight inches of soil has some soil moisture, um, but the soil conditions are extremely good. So um, gives me some hope that we'll have decent uh, moisture going into the spring. Now tillage will impact that. And then also, um, you know, we've had a lot of fog days. Um, and if you're, if you're with the old timers, the fog days, um, 90 days from fog day is, is rain. Um, and that, that leaves the, uh, the month of April in, in a pretty wet pattern, if you believe um, those adages. So I think uh, as we sit today, it looks pretty promising, except if we get into a wet spell, um, that's the only question. Outside of that, we got a lot of fall tillage. We got a lot of nutrition put on this fall. Um, I think we're sitting in a pretty good spot to, to kick off 2024. Well, of course, you just mentioned right there uh, some of the things that farmers have been doing, uh, you know, since the fall to be prepared for this planting season. Um, looking from this point forward, uh, you know, as we are, uh, you know, getting closer and closer to uh, getting uh, those planters into the ground, uh, what are some things that farmers need to be doing right now and in the near future to make sure they're ready to go? Yeah, I think that's an extremely loaded question. Um, there's a lot to do um, outside of getting your equipment ready. Um, you know, getting labor and, and, and uh, people in place for all of the, the tasks to be completed. Um, but the one thing that I think that I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, usually we don't always get everything done in the fall, um, but this year we did. We, we put a lot of nutrition on, and I think a lot of people, um, we really need to step back and, and say, what are we doing? How, you know, markets have come down. Um, the profitability of farming is definitely on the decline. We're probably looking at um, a lot of acres that are going to be in the loss, um, net loss uh, category for this coming year. And I think with that being said, ROI is extremely important. So we need to make sure that we're spending our dollars um, in a place that returns us the biggest bang for our buck. And what I'm getting at is I think really the only way to do that fairly and accurately is to make sure that we have a base and and by base I mean make sure we know where our fertility levels are through soil testing. Um, for me soil testing is is just a snapshot in time of that soil profile. Uh, it used to be we just kind of looked at you know organic matter, um, uh, phosphorus, potassium, uh, pH, those kind of things but it, it's it's evolved in the last five years to base saturations of calcium, magnesium, potassium, and hydrogen. Um, it's extremely important to have a balanced soil profile. Um, I think outside of soil testing, I think there's three big things, right? There's chemical, there, there's three properties of soil. There's chemical, there's physical, and then now the big, the big buzzword is biological. 
And I think chemical is, is what we've always worked on. Micronutrients, macronutrients, um, pHs, uh, those kind of things. Um, the physical is your tillage, no-till, cover crop story. And then uh, the last thing is the biologicals. And the biologicals has come more um, into picture recently because we're kind of trying to find that next yield level. And biologicals um, have been adapting to our chemical programs. They've been adapting to our, our intensive farm management practices. And so um, that's kind of a new era that everybody needs to look at real closely as well. But um, for, for me, because we've got a lot of our fertility on this fall, um, the biggest thing that I want people to concentrate before we go into this spring is pH. Let's make sure that our pHs in our soil um, are in a good position. Uh, pH is the most important thing on a soil test in my mind. Uh, if you have poor pH, meaning uh, too acidic or too basic, um, that can really, it doesn't matter what fertility you have out there uh, for, for P and K and, and micronutrients. We, the pH needs to be uh, between, you know, 6.1, 6.5, somewhere in there, lower sixes to maximize the potential for those nutrients to be available, available to the plant. And I think that's, that's where I like people to start every single spring before they kick things off. So then considering, uh, you know, the pH and, uh, you know, other soil conditions that they need to keep track of, uh, you know, what can they do to, you know, make sure things are where they need to be? And, you know, if they aren't where they need to be, who can they uh, talk to? And, you know, how can they get in touch specifically on the channel side of things to uh, make sure that everything is where it needs to be? Yeah, so I, I think I think pH is, is number one. Uh, once we kind of identify if we have any, any weak spots throughout the field, whether that be high pH or low pH. Um, obviously, we can look at lime situations for low pH to bring that pH up. Higher pH is tougher. Higher pH takes time. Um, it takes air water management, meaning maybe we need to tile those low spots so that the soil can breathe. Um, maybe that is spreading products like gypsum or some other product that allows some permit permeability through the soil so that um, we can get rainwater to move through it so it doesn't become anaerobic and not being able to breathe. Um, if we do have high pH, high pH normally affects soybeans at a higher level. And so what I mean by that is high pH causes nutrition tie-ups, um, mostly referred to as iron chlorosis deficiency in soybeans. And sometimes when you're driving around the country, you can kind of see that out in fields low-lying areas have these really yellow beans or, or um, I call it a flash, flash um, injury on beans, and uh, it stunts their growth, it stunts their nutrition uptake, um, and it doesn't allow for canopy, so it can cause some weed issues out there. But, um, you know, those are things that it, it's tough to fix. Um, it, take, it takes many years to fix. It's not a one-time thing. But what you can do is you can work with your local Channel Seed Pro, and you can try to place soybean uh, genetics and varieties that are really good against high pH or have a high tolerance to iron chlorosis deficiency so that we can manage some of that negative um, loss on those beans. And then, uh, you know, how are the Channel Seed Pros involved in that product selection uh, once we're looking at that, uh, that part of the process? Um, you, know, how, you know, speaking on your side of being a Channel Seed Pro, uh, you know, how are you guys involved in that, and how do you uh, support those farmers? Yeah, I think I think Channel is 
um, unique as a seed pro. Um, we don't have a legacy brand name to kind of um, help us, you know, work through things. So we have to be, what I'm getting at is we have to be extremely um, good at what we do. We have to take, we have to go the extra mile. We have to know our products better than anyone else. We have to be able to select our products um, at a high level to make sure that we are giving our customers not only the best product, but also um, placing it in the correct area um, every single year. So what's cool about a Channel Seed Pro is that we are directly involved in um, picking and selecting and asking for new genetics and new varieties. And same thing on the corn, corn hybrids. Um, when we have a spot or a weak area, um, certain maturity, or we're weak on IDC, or we're weak on white mold, or, or sudden death on beans, um, we can kind of go through our technical agronomists. We walk fields together. We identify these weaknesses. We identify areas we need to become stronger in, and we work together to try to um, select the next level of um, products that are coming through the pipeline um, at Bayer. And I think that's really neat. That gives us the ability to put boots on the ground and match the needs of our customers, um, you know, from the ground up. All right, Andrew, lots of great information today. Uh, where can farmers go to learn more about channel and uh, managing their soil? I think uh, the best place that farmers can, can go, I really believe that if they contact their local channel seed pro, um, those people are there for you. They will go as far as they possibly can to find you the answer if they don't know. Um, that is the first place I would start. They can also visit, visit channel.com uh, to you know, be able to look at different products, look at different ratings, um, get some general background information. Um, off of channel.com. So there's a lot of, uh, of good places to go look. Um, but in the end, there's no better person to start that conversation with than your Channel Seed Pro. Thanks again to Channel Seed Pro Andrew Phillips for joining us. And that's it for today's episode of Weekend Ag Matters. Thanks again for tuning in. You can listen to this episode and more by going to the podcast tab on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network website at iowaagnet.com. For Russ Parker, Mark Magnuson, and Dustin Huffman, I'm Riley Smith, wishing you a great rest of your weekend. Join us again next week for more Weekend Ag Matters.